Welcome to the Push Performance Podcast. All right, what's up, guys? Um, today we got Casey Mulholland from Kinetic Pro. What's good, homie? What's going on, guys? Not much, man. Yeah, so today we got Brandon Monahan, Noah Junis, Taylor Davis, myself, DJ, and um, Ashton Newell on the spinning, <laughs> spinning the records over here for us, keeping it keeping it real. So yeah, Casey, what's good, man? Tell us about yourself. Who are you? I don't, I don't really don't know you, truthfully, man. So you know, this is cool for me to interview somebody I've never met, never talked to. Um, you know, I see your stuff on on social media. I love it. It's awesome. Very bright mind. Very, you know, very forward thinking. Uh, so yeah, just give us a little bit of give us as much background as you like. Sounds good. Uh, I'll keep it uh, kind of simple. Give you kind of uh, my entry into uh, kind of from player to to now facility owner and coach. Um, you know, I grew up played at IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida. Uh, IMG is well known now as kind of you know tournament space and. Obviously, the campus what's become totally different than what it was when I was there, uh, you know, back in uh, the mid 2000s. Uh, so I grew up there. Uh, I was supposed to be a first round pick at a high school, missed it by about 60 days of Tommy John surgery. Um, so a whole lot of really interesting sports science uh, connections that were made over my years there. Uh, and that was kind of the catalyst to, I guess you could say, my my future career, not baseball career in terms of playing, but my future career. Um, but I went to Ole Miss for a year. Uh, junior college, State College of Florida, uh, USF, University of South Florida for two years, uh, played for the Dodgers for a quick minute, and then blew up my rotator cuff. So uh, it, my career was just injury-plagued uh, and was obviously just super interested in sports science and how to use sports science to leverage health um, while I was playing. Uh, so back before kind of you know all this got really popular, uh, I felt like it kind of hit uh, its stride in like the 2014, 2015 range. Um, I trained to drive line in 2015 uh, with a lot of guys, Trevor and Casey Weathers and another bunch of other guys up there at that time. Uh, and then, uh, you know, kind of as I got done with my playing career, I uh, was lucky enough to get back to IMG. I was living at home with my parents for a little bit and uh, trying to figure out what I'm to do with my life and uh, ended up stumbling into the Modus Lab. Uh, and Ben Hansen uh, kind of took me under his wing there. And uh, Ben, you know, was the CTO of Modus at the time, really, you know, built the the backing of Modus, and uh, I looked at the tool and looked at what they had in their biomechanics lab at the time, and realized that there was something we had in terms of application. Uh, so, flash forward, working, you know, a couple of guys here and there, you know, one, two guys turned into fifty guys, fifty guys turned into hundred guys. We looked up, we had a business running, and became what is now Kinetic Pro. So, uh, workload management was a forefront. Keeping guys healthy, helping them not go through what I went through, was kind of the, the passion, and uh, we've kind of carried that into you know 2021, I guess. So. That's awesome. I mean, give us kind of what, what's a day look like in your facility right now? Um, day at the facility. Depends on what day. Uh, so our training formats, our group training, obviously, we run five days a week with our guys. Uh, you know, I also say it's you know, dependent upon time of year. Uh, if it's the winter time, we've got some of our big league guys in, Nate Pearson, Austin Adams, Jake Woodford, uh, et cetera. Uh, Freddie Tarnock, minor league guy, is kind of coming up. Uh, those guys all get after it. Uh, a lot of fun. They follow kind of the same training format from workload standpoint and development. But uh, our guys kind of come through. Uh, they'll active prep uh, with us. They'll hit the gym. Uh, our strength coach, Garrett Phelps, uh, big focus in BBT and, and a lot of our uh, kind of custom design concepts uh, around calculations and, and monitoring fatigue and autoregulation. Um, our guys will do our band series, which is a product we have coming out soon. And then uh, they'll do our throwing with us, which is all kind of monitored and Planned around workload management. We've been doing that for about three years now. So um, use everything from Rapsodo to you know ProPlay AI, which uh, also part of 
um, and uh, kind of use these concepts to create a big system, create a big process that we're trying to also explain to uh, the future, the rest of our guys. So, love that. How much how much crossover do you and you know the the strength coach have in collaboration with your athletes? I know on our end, you know, our PT, our in house PT Noah, um, our other pitching director Simon, and all of our strength coaches sit down or on the floor and we just kind of bullshit about the guy, right? It's like, hey, you know, backside, you know, his, his hip's not getting an extension, blah, blah, blah. This is where I saw his assessment. This, you know, this was pitch characteristics were like, you know, like what, you know, what's your guys' communication like? How do you guys communicate? Yeah, I don't exist without Garrett. So uh, he and I work together. Uh, you know, I brought him in two and a half years ago, and um, you know, I realized that there was this big disconnect from the assessment component from the actual change standpoint. And uh, so we have this process in throwing. Our teaching philosophy is is assess, feel, drill, kind of three three buckets. Um, so from the assessment side of it, you know, before we start anything, the first thing we ask from an assessment standpoint is, can this athlete physically do what we're asking them to do? Uh, and then secondarily, we look at pro play I reports from a biomechanics standpoint, and we blend the view of, you know, from an assessment physically to an assessment from a throwing standpoint, uh, what are we able to do? And so one thing that, you know, most of our athletes never see, we never really talk about publicly very much is how much Garrett and I sit and talk about our athletes individually. Uh, and so, you know, the mornings for us, you know, we, we constantly kind of evaluate these, these guys, this, you know, list of guys that we have and pull together our reports, pull together our, our you know, training protocols and, and try to figure out where we can make an adjustment um, and track that adjustment over time. Uh, so we push them to the field, which is the education around what we're actually trying to accomplish and the timing of which we're trying to accomplish that. Uh, we can give them things like banded modalities or med ball training that will help them kind of feel that movement. And then we drill them, which would be you know, apply with their routine or, you know, if it's like a, a you know, throwing routine with a, a weighted ball, uh, you know, we'll actually physically constraint drill that least con or most constrained least constrained to actually deliver them to the mound reassess process it over so garrett and i work hand in hand through that entire process it's awesome going let's go back to your assessment stuff we've that's something we've talked about for the last five podcasts now is with ourselves with dakin with a couple other guys we've talked to um you know what do you do on the throwing side on the assessment yeah so um you know, that's one of the hard ones for us. So we manage. So one of my biggest things is, is I don't ever put a guy into a bullpen until I know their fitness level from a throwing standpoint is built up. So when guys come in, we collect data on what they've done in the past. We make our best recommendation around where they're or our best guess based on where they're at from a fitness standpoint, uh, all workload management based, and then uh, determine if they should throw a bullpen with us or not. So I think one of the biggest issues I have in the baseball industry right now is guys will come in and immediately first day in with a lot of places, you know, guys will just throw full out. Um, and I think from our end of it, you know, uh, that's a really uh, risky way of assessing somebody. Um, we need to be able to look at them physically, obviously, first, objectively determine what they're doing physically. And we need to be able to also monitor from a load standpoint, you know, what can I actually have this guy do today, tomorrow, et cetera. And if we're assessing this, we want a true assessment on an athlete, we're going to have to look at time. So, um, you know, one day assessments, one of my, my biggest issues on social media right now is I see these guys posting like, you know, look, this was week one when this athlete came in week three, they jumped five miles an hour. Thanks to our program. <laughs> right. It doesn't work that way. So, um, we, when we look at this, we have to say, okay, I might get a biomechanics report on you today, but what you did yesterday in terms of that long toss, I didn't know about when you first walked into my facility that could actually impact the way that you move today. That could impact your, you know, overall fatigue. Uh, moving forward. So our, our further assessments may not be as good. 
So we're looking at really an accumulative of about two to three weeks worth of assessments using ProPlay AI and our range of motion stuff uh, to try to help guys understand kind of where they're at and then take that data, uh, combine it, kind of feel it all out. So I know that's maybe not a direct answer, but you know, well, it's a, a bigger a bigger picture here. So. Exactly, essentially what we do, right? Is that, it, I, I mean, to the T, it's, you know, man, it's like, first and foremost, they have to do an assessment with our strength staff and our PT staff, right? After We'll, we'll schedule the assessments on the same day assessments and quotes right um you know we'll do their their table assessment their dynamic assessment their pt assessment and then we'll give noah information or simon information and then noah you know take it from here but man but like you know we every time we see an athlete move is an assessment correct so we're, we're adjusting programs constantly so we'll talk about what we're doing on that oh uh, yeah we pretty much uh same thing as you uh we don't get anyone off the mound unless they're absolutely ready. Uh, and like you said, I think that's a really great point that you made that, you know, what they did in the weeks, months, days, hours before they even show up in the gym has a huge impact on what we're going to see uh, assessment-wise. And especially, uh, especially with throwers who maybe aren't ready to get on the mound, like you're, you're going to see a lot more, I guess, consistent movement, more than we see that you know, we have them on a regimen program tracking, you know, the points that we're looking for. We just get a way uh, better idea three, four weeks into the program. And that's kind of when me and the strength staff uh, sit down again and kind of go over what we can do different, what adjustments we should make uh, as far as volume, intensity, and uh, overall movement. Yeah, I mean, it's awesome. Did you hear him okay? Yep, I can hear him. Yep. I mean, yeah, I mean, and every every coach has their own different assessment process, right? Where are you are you the only one doing assessments? Are you the only or is your strength is your strength guy the only one doing assessments? Yeah, exactly. So it's just the two of us. Um, we utilize the the Modus uh, Rama Max, uh, you know, six sensor program, and we do some of our own. We've designed some of our own product to actually implement with shoulder testing and things like that. But yeah, it's it's all objective based upon what those systems are telling us. But you know, there's also some subjective components like scapular you know, movement, things like that, that he's assessing. We keep him consistent in that space. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, going going off that a little bit too, you know, like we we really really want to focus on quality of movement, right? And that's that's the biggest thing for us. I mean, how much movement based patterning stuff do you do in a weight room? to the mound, how much crosses are going to be more sports specific stuff are you doing more like this basic strength conditioning you know, undulation stuff or you know periodization like how, how do you guys you know, manage your workloads how do you guys do that stuff yeah so we use vbt as an auto regulatory so basically one of the big things for us we're focused on designing you know, our main core lifts or our deadlifts or squats etc to you know the vbt unit um to track load over time um, so that's one of our big our big focuses there. We're actually working right now, kind of behind the scenes, give you a little, little behind the, the KP curtain. Uh, we're building out uh, some uh, systems to run power and force. Um, so we're determining, you know, if we put more weight on the bar versus a guy moving a little bit quicker. We're basically creating a scoreboard for our guys in the, in the gym, uh, recreating a scoreboard for our guys in the gym um, where, you know, they can compete against their peers, normalizing that to their, their height and weight as well um, to help them understand the impacts of, you know, really – 
what it means to compete against somebody on a day-to-day -day basis, but then also being able to auto-regulate that competition, which is important. So if you're, you know, having terrible nights of sleep or, you know, whatever outside of our gym or just, you know, your tax from the previous days, you know, we're going to be able to monitor that and show change over time. So um, from a, a specific movement standpoint, you know, if I target a guy from pro play, for example, has, uh, you know, limited, whatever lead leg, uh, you know, his lead leg's terrible. We're going to drop in the weight room, talk to him about like what it means to create that stability strength over time. Um, and, you know, we're not doing a lot in the way of like med ball direct throws and, and trying to create that with Garrett, our strength coach. We want Garrett to build the prerequisites around those things. We want to bring them into our ecosystem from the throwing standpoint. And myself, our throwing coach, will uh, actually work with this athlete from a field sit perspective. Remember, we talked about assess, feel, drill. That feel perspective is where we'll take some time, whether it be like a banded punch or whether it be like a you know stationary like uh, you know rolling variation with a med ball. Uh, we're not having that athlete throw at that point, uh, so we're you know reducing the load on the arm, but we're still working more sport specific. Uh, with, you know, volume, and then we communicate strength coach to pitching coach based around that volume, based around our calculations, what they've done in the weight room uh, to try to load or to manage that load uh, with the med ball throws. So I don't think, um, you know, you're, you're trying to set an athlete up with like a med ball rotational, you know, whatever. Uh, you're, you're not necessarily trying to, uh, you don't need to do 100 reps with the med ball, right? If I do 10 to 20 reps, and then I blend that into feel with that athlete, we can create quality repetitions in drill work over time based upon the idea that this athlete has what the cue is or what that feel is uh, from the earlier training structure. So, um, you know, like I said, we kind of spend guys from the weight room building that, that prerequisite, that basic foundation, and we take them over to the sport specific side and the actual throwing component, which we do on a day to day. So, I mean, it, as long as it's not a bullpen day, uh, I'm not going to, you know, dome a guy up, so to speak, uh, before a bullpen. But as long as it's not a bullpen day, you know, we're basically running that, which could be up to you know, three, four days a week that we're, we're creating that sports specific movement. So. so are you are you working like kind of off this sprint speed continuum with the BBT stuff? Yeah. So uh, we have our force, our load velocity profile, um, sorry, force velocity profile, um, which uh, we're uh, we've we've played around with pretty consistently. We haven't really shown our athletes as much, uh, but also behind the curtain of KP right now, we have a pretty big mobile platform coming out uh, in January at ABCA. Uh, we'll be launching it and that'll have an actually up to the date, uh, you know, load velocity profile that's going to be connected to uh, your entries. So, are you, uh, how are you testing the, the force velocity profiles? Like, when in the past, when we do it, it's like three reps at a certain weight, three reps at a certain weight, three reps at a certain weight, we'll like four or five sets, then find the median, you know, average of all that kind of stuff, right? In, a, in, our, in our spreadsheet, um, how, is that kind of what you're doing? Yeah, so we're tracking that over time and, and kind of the same thing. We're finding that range and then kind of building it out. We'll do that within the first month. We don't do it on the first day, obviously, but we'll do it within the first month, dependent upon the prerequisites of the athlete. So if the athlete's walking in and let's say he just needs an absolute strength, you know, we're just trying to build that component of it, uh, then obviously we're not going to yet load him through the uh, BBT stuff. So the low velocity profile is really not relevant to him. But for our athletes that we, you know, check off as meeting those prerequisites, we're then going to push him through um, on that side of it. So it kind of dependent upon the athlete. Uh, but our athletes that are competitive in our space are those guys that, that check those boxes. So, so go, going back to like the, that early lifting age, right? Um, are you still putting like the, what, what do you use, Gymware or what do you use? We use Vertruve. Uh, okay. It used to be Speed for Lifts. Okay. So like we use Gymware, so we'll use that for example. Like we'll put a Gymware on guys just to get a reading, right? Just like when you're throwing, throwing playing catch on rehab or you're playing catch, controlling your intensities, you have the, the radar gun. 
right? Yeah. Um, you know, we'll we'll put the the gym wear on a lot of the guys in the beginning, like make sure they're not going too much or too slow or too fast, right? So we're always monitoring. Not you know, when people think of BBT, it's more so like all right, fast, 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 fast. But everybody forgets like we can monitor the strength phase of that BBT. You know what I mean? And collecting data in that BBT is just as important as, especially if you tell an athlete, I want you between 0.45 and 0.55. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's a strength space. Like let's, let's work on that. Let's work on your quality of movement. Like you, you fucked up on this rep because you, know, you can see the, how shitty your reading was because of your, of your form or whatever it may be. Right. Um, yep. You know, is that kind of something you guys do? Yeah, so that's I was talking about the force, uh, force and power calculations that we're currently working on. Um, so we normalize force and power calculations based upon uh, our you know, age and, and certain guys or bending guys through a system. And um, so again, it's not something we have currently out yet, but something we're looking to is how do I teach an athlete? You know, look to change power focus or change force focus. Like we can basically recreate uh, your intention. So if I'm telling you to put more weight on the bar but maintain a certain speed like more weight on the bar is going to create more of, you know, this force output focus. If we're trying to move more speed, like we're trying to move on the more powerful side of things. Like if I give you direct numbers that correlate to each one and you can see directly that this is what's happening as we go through it, I think I can incentivize you as an athlete to number one, score off better uh, against your peers. Uh, but number two, have a better focus in the weight room. And I think one of the biggest issues with BBT, right, is we look at BBT and we say, hey, move at a, a 0.7. And the athlete goes, okay, that sounds great. Well, they recognize they pull the weight off. Like, yeah, they can more easily get to a 0.8. Sometimes guys think more is better. So if I'm telling you to move at a 0.7, it doesn't mean I need you to move at a 0.85. Like I need you to get down to a 0.7 still. So they look at it as a scoreboard already. Driving. <laughs> exactly. So it's like you're looking at this as a scoreboard already and you think, well, if I, I want you to move. I want you to move more weight, but I want you to be able to reach the number that I'm basically sit at the number that I'm asking you to sit at. So yeah. we re-incentivize you with different metrics or different values. We're doing the same thing, utilizing the same platform. We might be doing it a little better to direct the 16, you know, 14, whatever, 18-year-old athlete who may not understand the real concepts of BBT. Uh, to move a little bit better just based upon, you know, having some different inputs in terms of metrics uh, for that. So that's really my side. My side's more the metric side. Uh, Aaron's kind of the, the mad scientist behind the programming and the weight room side of it. So I mean, that's, that's how we lay out our programs to the T, right? Love it. Literally, it sounds that same. No, what, I mean, talk about our metrics, like what you're looking at. I mean, talk about different movers and how their metrics, you know, like a guy with like big lateral flexion, you know, great guy, you know, like talk about our metrics. Yeah. So basically after, after the table assessment of the strength staff, um, I'll get together with them and kind of talk about, and this will be even after I assess too, um, just so I can kind of go into the assessment with a clear hat. Um, so we'll get together afterwards and kind of go over what we saw. Uh, if that guy is on the mound, we'll have the, is ready to throw a bullpen on model, has the track man data and and all that to kind of go back to. But um, yeah, like there's certain certain things that DJ and, and Brandon Taylor will see in testing that kind of directly correlate to the type of person they are on the mound. Like DJ was saying like if they're have good lateral trunk flexion, whatever they might be more of a high slot, um, high vertical break guy. Um, and I can kinda I don't know, like recently we've been looking at more uh, kind of like ER, IR dominant movers too. Uh, working with different setups on the rubber to kind of play into what the athlete's really good at and reinforcing what they're really good at um, and 
instead of maybe chasing something that they might not have the ability to get to. Um, you know, DJ talks about this all the time, but uh, maybe their weakness and their lack of IR, you know, in their hip or whatever is what's making them a really elite thrower. So we always take that into account too. Uh, kind of where that stands as of now when you come to us. You're um, obviously going to treat a 98 mile per hour arm a little bit different than someone who's throwing 83, trying to, trying to hang on by a thread of his career. Uh, you know. But, uh, let me ask you. Let me ask you guys this: What? So, talking about assessments, right? Like, how do you guys track change over time in assessment? Kind of my my question for you guys. On the movement side or the pitching side? All of it. So, if if I have an athlete that comes in, let's say they have ten assessments with you guys, how do you guys track change over time? Uh, I mean, we re we're reassessing every single like we say every other phase probably. Yeah. About that, I mean, we're always getting them on the table. We're always getting them. You know, we had a couple of our guys um, during the All-Star break come in for, a, for like mid-season assessment. Um, you know, so it's just kind of just tracking, take the, like the goniometer measurements and all, all that stuff with the PTs. Um, you look at a lot of like rib cage, thorax stuff, positioning, scat positioning, um, you know, static stuff and then dynamic stuff as well. Um, and then just looking at it's, Essentially, it's going to be not not so much of a pass fail, but it's going to be a pass fail, right? Um, sure. You know, like, but we're, we'll take measurements on top of that pass fail, and we'll apply that to their program. And if they're not getting increased range of motion, motion, or even decreased range of motion for, for the for the guys that are super need in need of stability, right? Um, you know, we'll we'll make adjustments on the fly. So you know, we're we're probably pulling guys off the floor every day i would say you know just like hey let's see if this exercise works i'm trying to get some more ir in your right shoulder you know, i'm prescribing you this exercise let's see if it works oh shit it didn't work all right let's try this exercise all right that worked let's change your program you know what i mean sure. so it's it's kind of just on the fly and taking notes like all the all the coaches have their notepads and we all do it very 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 similar both locations colorado and arizona both we all have different assessment process within means to find what we're looking for. Like what Noah just mentioned, we're we're really trying to find how how well the, how well the body's working in rotation, right? What their pelvic and their what their pelvis and their thorax is doing in you know, or correlation with each other. Um, how well they're breathing, how much how much control they have over their body, you know, and then you know their their, their gait cycle. Their gate cycle plays a big role in what they're doing on the mound, what they're doing in the weight room. Um, you know how we can manipulate things if we need to. Like going with what Noah just said as well is like, I'm not trying to fuck with somebody that's throwing 97 miles an hour just in the All Star game. You know, like having a lot of success. It's not like, hey, you suck at this. Let's change it. Like, no, like, yeah. You know, like I want to keep you healthy. You know, and that's sure. you know just knowing where to where and when to change things, and you know, like always testing if he loses a lot of ir like that's an alarm let's let's fix it if he loses a lot of like, you can't get his pelvis open at foot at foot strike let's fix it you know there's certain, there's certain things that's where it comes into play with like our hitting guy or pitching staff like you know the, the communication aspect of it. it's like hey like he's starting to cut the ball or he's missing arm side up a lot like what's going on or you know he used to be a high vertical break guy now he's cutting the ball or sinking the ball you know and you know that, that data shows us right there it's like how what how he's doing you know his performance on the field shows how he's doing you 
know, and sure. catch catch injuries before they happen. We're not going to ever, you know, prevent an injury, but we can decrease the chance of injury through, through that. You know I, mean? I think sure. on the throwing side, the most, most honest feedback you're going to get is the radar gun, right? So we, we make a ton of throws into the radar gun. That's that's a lot of uh, how we track our progress, along with, you know, mixing things up with HAI uh, reports as well, just to see an overall uh, biomechanical perspective, too, and then just take a bunch of video, uh, seeing if we're seeing the, the movement of adaptations that we want to see. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I don't know if you guys are ready to dive, like, real big picture here, but uh, so – Give you like some long term. Uh, so one of the things I recognized, I guess, you know, about a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago with our guys was we have like 60 guys run through here a day. And so, you know, we've got a smaller staff. We're pretty agile in terms of what we're trying to build out. And and so our, my, realize, my realization was that, you know, I had a bullpen on Tuesday with like 40 something guys that came through and I'm watching guys on the mountain. I'm going, man, like I know enough about you. Like we talked about your last assessment, what's happening days before, what's happening days, you know, current day, what's happening, you know, a week ago. But, you know, we might have 10 assessments on a guy and I, I can build a system that tracks the changes over time in those assessments. How those changes in time in this category of assessment impacts my change over time in my ball flight, right? Or how that impacts the change over time in my workload or that change over time in my weight. Like all these are different variables coming from different outputs or different systems that are giving me insights as to how to make an adjustment for this athlete, but I'm not necessarily streamlining all of it. And so I kind of had this realization, you know, you have this issue in pro ball as well, right? You have coaches that, uh, you know, everybody has a little bit different philosophy to teach a curveball, right? Or everybody has a little bit different, you know, philosophy to, uh, you know, help a guy understand mechanically what they're trying to do on the mound. Um, and so the question becomes like, I started asking, why are guys at certain levels in pro ball as a coach? you start asking coordinators, you start asking, you know, farm directors, why is this guy at this level? Oh, well, we've had him in the facility, in the system for a while. And he just fits that, that system. Like, well, that wasn't objective. I think give me any insight as to why you did that. It just says that this guy's at that level for this reason, right? You guys like him at that level. Um, so I started kind of rethinking all this and go, look, my facility is no different than their organization in the sense that, you know, I have to have a kid come through here. I have to have a long track record on that kid. And I can't physically myself, process this vast amount of data coming from all these systems. We already talked about Vitruve. We talked about Modus Ramamex. We talked about, you know, uh, you know, ball flight system already, whether it be a Rapsodo, a TrackMan, et cetera. Like all these pieces I have to take account for on a day-to-day basis. If I miss one kid or I don't see a trend in one direction, you know, that's in one space. I could screw up that single space. Now that's not to account for all of these different variables rolling together. And we can talk all day. Like I do it in our facility. I realize how limited I am as a coach. Like if I make a decision, and I'm 50% accurate based off of all this information coming out on a daily basis. I'm a pretty good coach, like based upon all these inputs over time. But if I can build a system that takes all this information in and I can then streamline all this information into one, you know, one database, and I can track trends using something like AI over time. Now I have, you know, what is our future goal as a business, which is a predictive model. But I have this idea where it's not to say we have to necessarily completely follow that track, but I can make a much better recommendation as a coach to see some better trends to be able to, you know, pull a better dashboard and give myself a better insight. So I think the the future of baseball, you know, it, it sounds like you guys are crushing it um, out there, which is awesome. Like, it sounds like you guys have the, the, the best communication and, and some of the best structure I've heard, you know, from private facility in a long time. And, and so I hear that and I go, you know, even from us, I feel like, you know, we're doing well, but 
I don't feel like we're always maximizing our abilities to deliver. And I think that comes down to the future of all this, which is how do we connect all this together? Like, what does it mean to make decisions based off of what Rapsodo is telling us today? Like you talk about like arm side high or a guy who's cutting the ball a little bit more. Like, what does that mean in correlation to pro play AI? What does that mean in correlation to our, our physical table assessment? Um, I think the system just has to be built uh, to pull all this together. It's not going to happen overnight, obviously, right? But the system has to be built to pull all this together and figure out how do we leverage technology to help us make these decisions. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but yeah, no, uh, that's something that we've been pretty passionate about. That's, yeah, that's, that is that's, so fucking sick. That's awesome. And you got to realize, realize, too, at the same time, like you got to rely on the human being, too, right? It's not just the technology side. And that's something that we we take pride in it's just like on our assessments or in our in our application and all that kind of stuff is you know we're over coaching over coaching over coaching and you know, let, you know, stepping back when we need to right like we have a 12 year big leaguer in there like how much shit do we really need to do you know what i mean it's like you know i, just, I want him to have success but you know it's like at the end of the day it's like we're coaching human beings too right so you know, we take a huge dive in technology. That's the basis of what we do, right? But number one, first and foremost, is like you said, over communicating with Noah, Brandon, you know, Taylor, all uh, our PTs, like all that kind of stuff, right? It's we have these two get pissed at me. It's like, why the fuck am I in this text thread? We have a text thread. In, we have a text thread in, in our Colorado. It's like our physical therapists and then our strength staff, and it's just like every single day, hey, like. Little Johnny has this. Little Johnny has this. Little Johnny has this. What are you doing in your program? And then we say, Hey, this is what we did. Little Johnny in his program. You know, he's increasing, increasing his action, but needs that range of stability. Blah blah blah. So we're communicating that way and overly. But you know, then when it, when it comes to Noah, it's like, Hey, Noah, Noah sees a track man report for us, right? He relays that track man report to us, and then we're able to coach the athlete itself. You know what okay. I mean? And it just takes time. Like this is. Another thing we talk about in every single episode, I feel like, is we, we do communicate a lot, but I think we could do even better, truthfully. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, that's something I stress as, you know, as a coach, is like with these guys, we got to just over-communicate with our staff on each person. So if you're, if Brandon, for some reason, coaching one of my guys or Taylor's coaching one of one of Brandon's guys or whatever, Noah, you know, Noah's, you know, working with one of Taylor's guys, it's like, hey, wait, we know everything about this person. You know, like, like what you're saying. And... Like it's easier for you because like, it's just you and just your strength staff. Like with us, it's like we have, a, we have eight guys on staff here and five guys on staff in Colorado. So it's it's a little bit harder. To, like, it's like a, running like an organization. You know what I mean? It's like we got to take time to sit down, or we got to take time to sit in on assessments, and we got to take time to you know, like yesterday, Noah just walked right off the floor, had one of our our throwing intern run on the floor while he was sitting in with one of our reassessments for one of our, our draft or one of our draft decks, you know? Uh, so before he, before he uh, left, so they, Noah changed some drills real quick with them just based on his assessment. And then we're able to, you know, uh, accomplish what we needed in that, in that time right now. Yep. So it's, you know, it's just a little bit, it's a little bit different, but it's the exact same in my opinion. <laughs> like, you know, and it's, well, it comes down to like, so I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, you know, I listen to strength conditioning uh, space a lot and, and podcasts and whatnot. And you hear like, you know, there's this fear of AI and you can't take the people look at it as AI or they look at coaching. 
And they go, oh, you're either going to like know the individual and you're going to be this personability side of things where it's like we're always going to rely only on our eyes. We're only going to be in the weight room and, and making adjustments to program based on our eyes. We can't have AI. And you hear the AI side like, oh, well, you know, we need to be able to only do AI. We need to be able to pull all this in and make recommendations around predictive modeling. And you're like, no, 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 wait a minute. Like we're looking at this wrong. Like AI brings a recommendation. Yes. And then there's the art of coaching. And so the art of coaching, I'll give you an example. Uh, one of my one of my favorite coaches, a uh, guy named Bobby Cuellar, uh, was a uh, pitching coach of mine in the Dodgers organization. And, um, you know, he used to, you know, walk around and probably didn't say a whole lot. You know, he'd have some, some funny jokes from time to time. But I remember I was on a bullpen one day, just walking by and, and says to me, hey, you know, uh, try this with your breaking ball. And basically explains it like a fishing pole. Like just take the thumb over top of the fishing pole and over top of the ball. And I was like, oh, man, like that, that connected with me. That made sense. And it was this quick cue, right? Just very simple like talk to me in my terms. I grew up fishing in Florida my entire life. Like that just made sense to me, right? Thumb over the breaking ball. Okay, great. He had no track. He had no track, man. No, no rap soto for me. No nothing. He just he knew what he was looking at yeah. and made that adjustment, right? Pulled it right out of his coaching toolbox. Something that probably somebody taught to him a long time ago that just made sense. Um, I take that to our guys today. I still use it on the floor, right? Like I look at a rap soda report and I can validate that now and go, okay, this guy's trying to get to a six o'clock axis. Uh, you know, we need to get this thumb over the breaking ball a little bit more, make that adjustment. Uh, that that coaching cue sits in my toolbox today. Uh, but if I can have a report that says, hey, this guy's you know, most effective breaking pitch is going to be X. Uh, you know, his breaking pitch, you know, is is you know most affected by these things. Like now I have an ability to look a little bit deeper, pull out that cue as a coach, pull the art of coaching together, deliver that to the athlete so the athlete can actually execute. Getting the athlete to actually execute this this thing, whatever the, the system's giving us, is coaching. And you're not going to replace that. You can't make a system that's that's going to you know perfectly uh, encompass that. There's has to be buy-in. But the system can give us the input. So the yep. system says, hey, try this. Coach says, here's how I perceive this, and here's how I can get you to do this. As you guys know, you can say completely the wrong thing and still get the right result. The system then reassesses it, and we go back through our process. And so that's what I look at and say – I think that's the future. Uh, I think that's where we're going. Uh, that's where our company is trying to go. I mean, we're, we're, we're pretty, I think we're pretty close to building the foundation of that, but uh, you know, I, I, I think there has to be, like you said, the communication and, and the buy-in, right. And it sounds like you guys are crushing it from that end of it and maybe trying to, to, you know, push that, that continued piece together and, and finding new ways, hopefully to innovate that space in terms of communication department to department. So um, I commend you guys on that. That's, that's awesome. So Thank you. appreciate it. I mean, we, something we work hard on, right. It's, you know, like on our end, it's like, all right, there is BBT score sucks today. Like, did you sleep well? Did you eat well? Blah, blah, blah. Right. How's your recovery? Like, ah, let's probably not throw a bullpen. Like, you know, like let's not have a max intent day on the mound. Let's not, you know, we can read different things through technology, as long as we communicate it well with the athlete, you know what I mean? And, and going, going into like, then we can get more of a, of a um, personalization relationship with that, that athlete, right? Where we're able to start asking questions with nutrition stuff, with sleep stuff, with girlfriends, with whatever, with wives or with whatever, right? It's like, Hey, it's like, Hey, everything going good. Like what's going on? Like your, your numbers have been low. Right. Or my program fucking sucks. Like what's one of the two, you know what I mean? And I mean, that's something that, that we, we try and build is that relationship, you know, and that's how we're going to get guys a to buy in first and foremost is by forming that relationship with them and getting that, the, the performance based relationship next. You know what I mean? Sure. 
Well, my question for you is, how do you, how do you scale that? What's that? Go ahead. Go ahead, no. I really like what you said on the pitch design side of things. Um, with, you know, the it's kind of that blending of the old school and, and new school, right? Um, you, you have all this technology, but ultimately, like, the technology is almost just another tool in your coaching toolbox. So you, you use that technology to, and all the data and, and whatever to say, you know, this is what a good breaking ball looks like. But then ultimately it, it takes coaching to be able to get that athlete to execute. Absolutely. Really good point that you made. And, um, awesome. Well, how do you – uh, go ahead. Can, can you hear me still? Yep. Cool. Uh, how do you guys see – so the amateur space right now is a question that we have and we're trying to walk through. So kind of throwing this back to you guys here again. How do you scale this process? Obviously, you guys are doing something very similar to what we are. You know, we're, we're scale, we're building this out, obviously, in, in terms of this communication realm. You have all these travel ball teams who are, you know, heavily focused on development today, whatever that means. And, and you know, they're trying to, you know, deliver this. And I don't think, you know, I've talked to a lot of these teams now. I, I don't think it's a lack of desire to want to do it and, and build it out right. I just don't know that there's always the, uh, the understanding of how the system works to actually make that happen. Um, how do you guys see this? Like, let's say, you know, you've got a high school coach that's listening to this. Like, how do you, how would you encourage that high school coach to begin to maybe take those steps to putting this all together? First and foremost, put their ego away. That's, that's something we yeah. see a lot. We see a lot in, right. Is coaches saying, like, especially in Arizona, I mean, it's, it's like, these are my players, right? These are my players and I'm going to, I have ultimate control of these players making up some, some rules saying like you can't train outside of our school during the school year because it's against uh, state rules or whatever. What, what's AI? Some, some rule. I don't know. It's like, then the kid, kid asks his coach, like, dude, that's not like, that's what are you talking about? Like that's, or we asked the AD. She goes, you have, that's not right. Like that's not true at all. So the coaches are just yeah. trying to stronghold these athletes and just inviting them in, right. Inviting them in, knowledge like teaching them like we have awesome awesome relationships with coaches in colorado and arizona both and around the nation especially in utah like we have guys that you know we have guys sent us a lot of dudes from utah um, new mexico like guys from all over the united states washington um and that's just build, building those relationships and saying here like let's educate you through a our newsletters our podcasts our videos um, results of the athlete, you know, inviting them into the facility to say, this is what we do. This is why we do it, you know? And if somebody's, you know, bad mouthing us, like we'll reach out to them and be like, Hey, like instead of talking about us, like come, come see how good we are. You know what I mean? And just, like, just, just teaching, constantly teaching. I think everyone like, wouldn't you say, Brandon? Yeah. I think it's just, it's ego, like you said, is part of it. And then just the education portion, you know, I think there's a lot of coaches at high schools right now that are in the position they are just because they were a previous player back in their day. And that's how they're still doing things now is, you know, this is how we did it when I was in school versus, uh, you know, take a little bit of initiative, learn something new, and, you know, kind of progress out of your old ways um, and kind of get caught up with, you know, the times of where we're at today. Yeah, no, um, a lot of coaches, it's either, it's not like a this and this, it's usually like a this or that. So it's like if you're playing with us, then you need to be training with us. You can't be doing something else. Um, so a lot of like the communication, especially like with the athletes, like so many athletes are, they'll come in and 
yeah, I'm, I'm lifting at school, but like, I'm not going to tell my coach that I'm lifting here. I was like, no, like I, I want you to tell your coach that you're lifting here. I want, I want them to like, I want to create that open line of communication that we're able to communicate with them, let them know, okay, this kid's feeling this way, or Hey, this kid's drained after practice. Every time, every time he tries to walk in the gym, he's drained after like, I don't know what you guys are doing in practice. And like, I don't want to take away from anything you guys are doing in practice. Um, like just having that line um, of communication, especially with like the time, because it's, it's one thing for like, I don't know. I feel like high school practices are getting longer and longer. <laughs> like, I feel like they're bleeding into like, they're generally around two and a half hours and they're getting into like the three, four hour mark because they're spending all this time. Then afterwards they do all this conditioning and stuff like that. Um, and so kind of timing like in terms of like guys, when they come in left is also kind of coming into effect. Um, um, with that, especially with all the traveling and everything like that, but just being able to have that open line of communication with the coaches and let them know how their athletes are doing. Because so many athletes are scared to talk to their coaches, or especially high school coaches, especially high school athletes. They don't want to tell their coaches that they're banged up, or that they're sore, or that they're arm hurting, or something like that. So that's kind of where we can come into play as well with the relationship with those coaches to let them know how their athletes are actually feeling. That's awesome. Yeah, I, think, um, I think also you just come down to just let the coaches know that you're there just to help make their athletes better or their their high school team or their club team like let them know that you're only there to to benefit their players and not like take away from their players because i think that goes a long way too is i think some coaches you know they're just like oh i don't you know i don't need your help or you know these are my guys it's like well yeah i get it they're your guys on the field on and off but you know like we're only here to just help them stay on the field for you you know and that's kind of the ultimate goal is that's that should be your goal as a coach is you want the, the kid and the athlete healthy and on the build as much as possible and feeling good and i think sometimes high school coaches feel like you're going to try and take that away from them versus where if you just tell them educate them let them know that you know we're we're on the same team you know we're, we're trying to do the same thing that you're trying to do but just on the strength side you take care of the skill side and you know the more communication we can manage the workload and the stress levels and um, hopefully the ultimate goal should just be to keep the, the athlete healthy and on the field. And just even sharing data with the guys, right? Where you can share their share their track man report, right? You can say, hey, like, you know, he might throw 86 miles an hour, but he needs to throw up in his zone because of his vertical break or whatever, right? Like just relaying those things we see that the high school coaches don't have access to. If they if they want to if they want that data, like, hey, we have this. If you're interested in it, fine. If not, cool. You know, like there's couple powerhouse schools here that are just really old school you know and guys performance just keeps on decreasing throughout the year and then playoffs come and it's just like all right like kind of see what's going on you got like 15 d1 commits but you're not winning winning this championship you know what i mean um but they don't they don't want to open their eyes and see it but which is fine but like we're always there willing to give them information you know and yeah we're sharing information with MLB orgs and colleges with, you know, all with junior colleges, all that stuff. And like, why can't we do that at probably the most important level, which is the high school level, you know, and help kids continue their, their careers. Yeah, I love that. And I think it's, uh, you know, one of my experiences, it's been, you know, a lot of coaches can't afford the technology, right? So right. Um, they, they have a, a barrier to entry and that kind of maybe either turns them off and where they don't want to learn or uh, they, you look at it and they've been doing something for a long way for a long time um and, and they basically just don't want to change and so one side i respect which is if you don't have the technology and you're trying to learn uh you know it's it's asking great questions and there's you know humility aspect to that to be able to go to the people that have it and 
and learn from them. But then there's another component of it, which is the, I don't want to learn because I've done this my way for my, as long as I can. And that side of it's a little more difficult. Right. And so, um, I think, you know, one of the things I, I've, I, I see all the time is that the system is just fun, fundamentally broken, right? Like if we look at like little league, you know, little league was designed to be a spring fall routine where about 25% of the year you're in the fall, 25% of the year in the spring, the other two, you know, the other 50% of the year, you're supposed to be either developing or being a kid or, you know, playing another sport and doing your thing. But now little league became travel ball, travel ball and all stars literally play all summer and you go all winter. And now it's hundred percent of the year we're playing baseball and we've missed the boat on development. Then you go to high school and, you know, one of the things that I'm now seeing from high school coaches is high school coaches are saying, if you don't play with us in the fall, you won't make the varsity team in the spring, which I don't know how we got to this point where that's even oh, legal, legal to say, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's but, they, but it gets said, right. It yeah. happens. And, and they, they act like it doesn't, but it does. And, and so I look at it and go, okay, well, you know, that's a control factor, right? Like we're trying to manage what we do through the year. Um, and, and so I look at it and go, well, that's, that's a broken system. Like, how are we not policing that? There has to be a better way to police that. I called the FHSAA, asked them at one point, I said, Hey, how do you guys, how do I report something? Uh, I got a guy who's literally stealing money from kids. Like, how do I report that? And the way that you report it, from what I found out, was that you had to get the, the principal of the school to do an internal investigation on the school. So the guy that hired the baseball coach, that's an internal investigation on the school. And the coach and the principal have to both decide together that they're going to report themselves for sanctions to the FHSAA. I was like, so basically what you're saying is the principal has to decide that he's going to suspend the baseball team from the school and the FHSA, FHSAA is going to do absolutely nothing. And then we wonder why guys say that in the fall, but that's why year round baseball is happening in certain cases, why guys can't take the fall off. And I explain it to parents like this, look, we got big leaguers that walk through our door every day. They have four to five months. Jamie Moyer, I was training at IMG when I was a kid and Jamie Moyer, I was like 16. He came to me and goes, how many, how many months do you, do you take off? And I was like, I don't know. I'm perfect game ranked top 10. Like, why would I take time off? I got to maintain my ranking, right? And he said, well, pros take four to five months off and develop. So why don't you? And I never thought about it until I got into the actual coaching side of it. I laugh now, go, man, like we should be at the very least, we have grown men taking four to five months off in a space to fail, trying new things, developing themselves. But then in the amateur level, we go, hey, no, listen, if you want to make varsity, it's important that you play this fall. Like, where are we at? Like, I don't understand how we got there. Yes. Hands down, right? And that's as much as we educate the athlete, the the school, the coach. Like first and foremost, I tell Ashton this all the time: our outreach for our high school groups needs to be our parents, right? And like getting them to understand the why. Like we have a kid who committed to U of A, like stud, right? Killed it last year. Had it. Not great spring, right? And he goes, hey, I'm not going to play at all this summer. I was like, fuck yeah, awesome. Like, let's let's focus on development. Three weeks later, homeboy's playing in tournaments. I'm like, what are we doing, dude? And he's going out punching the side and stuff, like doing doing well. But, like, you know, we, we are lucky we're in, in a certain way where we do have the athletes that do not play summer ball. Like, high school, college level. We do have that. And guys put, like – we're fortunate enough. You probably have that in your facility where we have guys that are committed to development and they see the long-term process or it's because they, they fell on their face, they needed to learn. And now they're all right. I suck. Like I need to get better, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, it's just like, like going back to, it, it's just like getting buy-in from the parent or getting buy-in from the coach, getting buy-in from the athlete. And like literally saying like we do uh, PDT, 
GDP report, the development uh, program, right? And clear development reports, and NOAA has the report saying, hey, like, if you want it, I'm going to email it to you. This is what we see. This is what we're working on from top to bottom. No, talk about our player development report, like what we do. Yeah, it's uh, basically just taking everything that we see in the assessment, uh, putting it on paper, and having it for the athletes to look back on. Um, if he ever has any questions or anything like that, he can pull that up. Say what he has a question about it, we can talk through it. We can add the answer to that question into the report. Along with it, it also kind of outlines our, our general plan uh, for however long he plans on being here. So we have that general outlook, and then we have a more specific day-to-day -day plan within that as well. That as well as his design reports, um, kind of what, where he stands in the beginning, what we want to see eventually. So he has it all right in one place on one Google Doc to go back and look at where he wants. Awesome. That sounds really cool. Yeah, it's just simple, right, with communication. Just the parent cares enough to look at the player development report and what we're doing. You know, and it's not it's not often we have somebody quit, like that's an elite player or whatever. Like, and that's probably why because they care to check those things. But those average players that aren't getting the this kind of success, like a really high vertical success, it's like, all right, fuck this, I'm done. Like, this didn't work for me. You know, it's like, well, no, like, small gains are still gains, you know, and um, like man managing how we communicate with the, the parents is huge. You know, and yeah. For us, like, I would say here in Arizona, our, our business is probably 80% pro guys in Arizona, wouldn't you guys say? Yeah. Right around there. So, like, from big leagues to minor league guys. Colorado is opposite. It's eighty percent youth in high school, right? Um, so there are two de different demographics where, like, the pro guys obviously are going to dive in, right? We had a ton of first rounders last year. We had twelve guys drafted this year. Like, they get it. Like, they want it, right? In Colorado, it's like the, the high school kids. Like, I, I'm from Colorado. I need to get seen. Like, I'm, I'm in a small state. Like, I need. I'm in a quote unquote cold weather state. I need to get seen more. Like, no. Like, I can put you on my social media. I have. 150 coaches following me. Like I can put, get you an, an offer in five minutes. You know what I mean? Like it's just about if you. If you <laughs> good long, long story short. <laughs> Inside joke. Um, but um, you know, it's like getting to that point. It's like, hey, like showcase something good. Not I don't care like about how many games you play. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not the person in the in the war room on draft days asking what your perfect game ranking is. You know what I mean? And it's like. It's just it's how it is. Like, yeah, I, just, I, I heard it. I actually asked uh, one of these. Uh, you know, you have these massive parallel organizations that I had the opportunity to sit with a number of them, and um, you know, I, I asked one of the the like founding group of that organization. I said, "Hey, how do you guys how do you guys get players seen?" I know this is kind of the main space. I said, "What's what's the goal here? How do you guys get that? How do you guys get seen?" And um, they said, "You know." I said, is it perfect game? That was my question. Really, the, the, the gist of it was, is it perfect game that's making players get seen by college coaches? And they said, absolutely not. It's it's us as an organization making the phone call to college coaches to come see this kid play. And I said, so it doesn't matter if it's that perfect game or it doesn't matter if it's at a backfield somewhere that you guys set up. And they said, no, at the end of the day, these coaches trust us as an organization because we have a track record. If we call for a kid and say, hey, your kid, this kid can play at the school, then the coaches know, you know, that's what they're going to do. So the coaches inherently are 
you know, I, I'm not going to say lazy because that's not the, the right thing, but they're busy. Like they have a lot going on. And so when you're trying to run a full pitching staff in college and you're trying to be on the road recruiting every week and you're trying to, and you're trying to, and you're trying to on top of all those, th- all those things, if somebody you trust has good eyes on the ground and can say, hey, listen, this guy's a guy for you and I can come visit one time, see him pitch and give him a, a, a scholarship, that's what's going to happen. And so I, I hear these kids say the same thing. I need exposure. I go, well, your exposure is not going to come from you going out and playing 20 perfect game events. It's going to come from you basically buddying up to the coach and getting a proof source from the coach uh, that's in your travel organization and get him to make that phone call for you. Or you can just develop like crazy and let numbers speak for themselves, send out a video. So we had one guy do it, basically got up to 97, sent out videos and did stuff for himself. And then finally the, the organization made some phone calls for him. But yeah, at the end of the day, your, your performance is going to be what really dictates your ability to get to that next level. You have to build yourself undeniably to a point where somebody's going to speak for you. And so I think that's that's it. Well, and I mean, like, you know, like you just said, like, you can be exposed and it could be good or it be bad. You know, you can be out there playing in all of these events every single weekend and you could be showcasing to coaches that they don't want you. You know, you could be out there thinking you're getting exposure and it, you think it could be good, but in, in all reality, it could be bad. They could be seeing a kid that's 137 pounds, barely throw it across the diamond, um, has below average speed, and is also a terrible teammate in the dugout. You know, like there's so many things out there that can actually, you know, go in your disadvantage or, you know, hurt you than actually benefit you possibly in playing in all of these events. You know, and like you hear it all the time. Like, yeah, I went to, you know, seven showcases this summer and, um, you know, the coaches are just, they're just not interested in me. It's like, well, yeah, you know, I, you know, I talk to a lot of coaches all the time. If you're throwing, you know, 90 plus, you have above average speed and you're a good teammate. There's a lot of coaches that do want that. So if you don't have that stuff, then why would they want you? You know, like like you said, you know, develop, have something to actually showcase. And, you know, the coaches nowadays will come to you just because, like you said, there's there's relationships with facilities like ours and relationships with coaches of good organizations that are club ball and then even some good high school coaches that, you know, like you said, those relationships go a lot further than you just playing in a random tournament and some random coach just sees you out there having one good AD. Going back to technology, it's changed the game for recruiting too, right? Yep, exactly right. Hundred percent different than when I played. When Brandon played, not so much Taylor, maybe, but you know, <laughs> a couple years ago. But you know, like you know, back in the day, Brandon is a perfect example, right? Brandon, how much you weigh? How much were you weighing, Brandon? Uh, one fifty. One fifty, but he was up to ninety four, right? Wow. Everybody's walking like, oh, this kid's skinny as fuck. Like, I don't want to, you know. Like now, it's like, hey, I got a kid doing ninety four. Good vertical break. You know, hammer, hammer, you know, all that kind of stuff or a good stinker or whatever, you know, and it's like, all right, now it's like, all right, send me, send me a track man report, send me some video without ever seeing the kid, you get a scholarship. Yeah. 100%. You know? I think, I think too, to this point and, and something that, you know, we, we talk about quality performance in front of the right people. Um, you know, a lot of these teams are having guys, this is one of my biggest pet peeves right now and just driving me crazy, but guys are, are throwing one inning on a Friday. And then coaches, because of pitch smart guidelines, we can do this now. Throw one inning on a Friday, come back and throw a full start on a Sunday. And I'm sitting here laughing, going, well, wait a minute. Like, you're talking about being at your peak readiness and wanting to throw at your very best for a coach. So why would you throw that inning on Friday, tax yourself or put yourself in a, in a place where you're maybe not ready to throw on Sunday, and then go out and throw a full game on Sunday? I look at these events. I'm watching kids go five, six innings in an event. I go, well, you know, really, if you want to showcase your best stuff, like, go two to three innings. Or, or one to two innings, showcase your best stuff, strike out six, nine, whatever, get out of there and, and shut it down for the tournament. 
Um, number one, we can project that better from workload standpoint because most of these kids aren't throwing during the week, which is a huge mistake. And then from the second part of it, it showcases you better for the coaches that really care. So, you know, if we really want to fundamentally look at this, that's going to force a lot of travel ball teams to either, you know, at the end of the day, forfeit games or, or we might not make it through this entire giant tournament, but it's going to be better for the kids. So if we really want to put the kid first, we got to change the system. I think that's what, really, what it really comes down to. But if we're really looking as a kid, how do I put myself in the best light? I have to have some really hard conversations with some coaches and go, listen, this is what I'm good for. This is what I'm good for it. And, and I'm going to put myself out there and give myself the best chance. And, uh, you know, it's I don't see it happen a lot, but I think it's just because of the system. So, yeah, I mean, just like what we mentioned earlier in, in, in the podcast is the systems, you know, we're, we're a systematic program, like everything right from the pitching side to throwing side. And like that's something we're able you and I both are able to offer our guys is like, you know, I, I know a lot of people I can help you get with where you want to go. I, you know, like it's, it's, I can help on the recruiting side. It's just a piece of the puzzle that we offer the guys, you know, like we're focused on nutrition with my wife. She's our nutritionist. We so focus on physical therapy it's on the, on the performance side, focusing on the skill side, you know, that we have like a full encompassing product we can offer and on top of just the recruiting side too, you know? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. We do, Love it. We had 16, 16 free agents last year, and we had all 16 signed, you know, just on pro days, on data reports. Like, how did we do that, Noah? Like, uh, I was really just uh, trying to get everyone's name out there, sending a blast, a bunch of emails out to the different scout, area scouts in Arizona, and, you know, cross checkers, coordinators, whatever, whoever, whatever contacts we had, and. Uh, setting up by the bass for these guys to show their stuff against other really good competition that maybe are already in the big leagues or the minor leagues um, organizations. Uh, so they're setting up live at bats, getting them in front of scouts, getting the rest photo track mandate on them, getting video, blasting that out. Um, it's, it's just a full team effort from everyone. Love it. It's awesome. Well, man, well, I appreciate you coming on. This is something I think we'd probably have to have you come back on. We didn't really get to talk about too much science shit, but <laughs> that was sounds good. good anytime. On. Yeah, that was fun. Appreciate you coming on. Is there? How do people find you on social media and stuff? Yeah, so uh, I have my personal account, which is uh, if you're on Instagram, it's Casey Mulholland at uh, or underscore Kinetic Pro, and then we have uh, the actual Kinetic Pro account, which is at Kinetic Pro Performance on uh, Instagram. On Twitter, uh, I personally rant a lot, so uh, that's at Casey Mulholland on Twitter, and then uh, and then our, our again our company uh, profile on Twitter is Kinetic underscore Pro uh, on Twitter. So uh, you know we love to connect with people. I'm very open to these, so we'll message me all the time, and I love just finding stuff back and forth. So anytime somebody wants to connect, I'm always happy to. Heck yeah, man! I mean, I'm definitely gonna use you as a resource now, and look forward to talking more with you. This has been awesome. Awesome guy, I appreciate you having me on. All right, thank you. Yep.